0: Good morning, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our final worship service here at El Paso Bible Church. I do want to just mention a few announcements and uh, read some scripture before we go on to our worship session. Um, If you happen to grab a bulletin on your way in, you'll see that we have a men's breakfast January the 6th, uh, which is next Saturday, Lord willing, and the crick don't rise. Men's breakfast Saturday, January 6th at 8 a.m., and uh, all men and children, boys, boys. Are welcome to join, and we encourage you to come. It's a great time, great people. We uh, uh, pray for each other. We share a meal to, meal together, and yeah, we're just a happy time. So uh, make plans for that, and uh, also you'll notice on your bulletin that I think most of our um, Bible studies are on break, but we will start on sometime uh, first or second week of, of January. So with that said, I'm going to read uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. kind of tempted of reading verse 5 there. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> I have to finish it there. Sorry, Pastor Josh. Uh, just excited to be here this morning and uh, surrounded by wonderful people. Uh, get, getting ready to worship. Um, our last worship, worship service of the year. Um, and just as we reflect back on, on all these services throughout 2023. 67 hours. Yes, I know how to add. Thank you very much. Uh, 67 hours that we've spent together in worship this year. And uh, we're just reminded of God's goodness, of his love for us, of his grace for us. So as, as we get ready to worship God, let, let's celebrate as one body and express our gratitude for his goodness and his love for us. So thank you for joining today. And uh, let's, let's pray and then we'll worship. Father, we thank you today. Uh, we thank you for your grace and your love for us. Thank you for the Christmas season that we were able to celebrate and, and remember your, your coming, your first advent, and the joy it brings and the peace it brings to humanity. So we ask that you bless our time together. Um, we thank you for this year. Thank you for your guidance in those times where we have needed it. Thank you for the comfort in the midst of all the trials. Thank you for your forgiveness for all those times we've sinned and we failed. Your grace is greater. We ask that you bless our time together as we worship and as we are, we, we are encouraged by the teaching of your word. It's in your sons' name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us?
1: is our firm foundation the rock on which I stand my Yes, yeah. yeah. sorrow
2: Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. I know that sounds like I'm off by a week, uh, but according to the church calendar anyway, it's still kind of Christmas. It is. You know, when you were a kid, did you ever try to count 12 days of Christmas the wrong direction? No? Did you not grow up that way? I was always trying to fit 12 days of Christmas leading up to Christmas, but uh, the Christmas season is still here. So Merry Christmas to you. We're going to continue celebrating that uh, as well. Uh, but children, you guys can go to children's church and, uh, and head on out if that's where you're going today. We have, uh, along with the whole city of El Paso, I think, well, it's at least in double digits they're estimating the whole city of El Paso has the crud right now, and El Paso Bible Church substantially does also, thankfully not here this morning, but uh, a lot of folks traveling uh, this week, so we want to pray for them as well uh, this morning before we get started, I pray for our time in, in the Word. Uh, Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, we do thank you for the continued celebration of your son, his birth, his incarnation, uh, his earthly ministry, and ultimately his death and resurrection. Uh, Father, we look forward to the day in which he comes for his church. And Father, we look forward even further to the establishment of his kingdom on this earth and into eternity. And Father, we know that we have life to live with you uh, into that eternity simply by grace through faith and we thank you for it father we thank you uh, for those who are here this morning we pray safety on those who are traveling and and healing quick healing on those who are are ill uh, this morning uh, father we uh, know that we're not exempted from those experiences uh, but we do ask for a quick recovery from them and Father, thank you for, your t- for this time and your word, and we thank you for it and pray to be blessed by it to your glory in our lives. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, so this morning we're taking a little bit of a break. I, I actually ought to, ought to add a modifier. Jacob said that uh, this was our final worship service. This is not our final worship service. Uh, this is our final worship service for 2023. Let's just qualify that, right? Did anyone else catch that? Uh, we're still here. Um, we do have a little bit of drama this morning. Uh, y'all may have noticed that the, the facilities are closed in this building. Um, so if you need the facilities, y'all know what I'm talking about. You need to go to the building next door. Nice ones there, plenty. Um, so please do that if you needed. it. Um, and the men's breakfast this Saturday. Uh, so please sign up. We haven't had one in a while, so we need to make sure uh, that the, there's enough stuff right so richard would like to know that ahead of time richard we got some folks signed up um, but um, that's just how it'll be so please come uh, this next sunday jacob is preaching if you ask him he'll say no but he told me yes so he's on the dotted line so don't believe him uh, but come that's always a blessing so priscilla and i will be traveling uh, this next week uh, down to the san antonio area so pray for us if you would uh, but we're talking this morning, you know, everybody wants to talk about New Year's, right? We, we uh, you know, if you didn't finish your Bible reading plan for last year, you get stuck in Leviticus like you did for the 20 years before that, you still have a few hours to crank it out if you read really fast, just make a new one. Don't get stuck in Leviticus this year, right? You want to do that? Um, Everyone wants to, wants to talk about how they should approach the New Year. Uh, we want to talk about New Year's resolutions. Um, and I don't really do that myself, personally. Um, I'm not sure how, what timing I use to resolve things. I make resolutions all the time, and most of the time they stick. But I don't make New Year's resolutions. But I do want to talk about how we approach the, a new year um, and uh, some people celebrate it more than, than others, but we should approach it, right, with, I think the scripture tells us that we should approach it with optimism. Uh, optimism, positive outlook. Now that's not the same thing that you'll hear uh, on uh, your favorite station on the radio or whatever uh, where you just think about positive things and they come to you, that's some form of mysticism. That you just consider positive things and you think positive things and you say positive things and things are positive. Um, it, it's not that fluffy. Is that okay? Am I, am I being optimistic yet? People, <laughs> I will say this, that a lot of people don't look at Josh Meyer and say, J- Josh is an optimist. The, the reason that they don't is because they want to start with the optimistic conclusion in our conversation. I am nearly always an optimist, nearly always, but if we are at the bottom of a pit, I want to know how deep it is, and then we can be optimistic about our strategy to get out. Yes? Right? Does that make sense? That's not even the ridiculous realism versus optimism versus pessimism. But I do want to know where we really are, and that has served me okay, served me pretty well. So we ought to know where we are when we start anything new. We spent the last few weeks in Advent talking about the future, talking about the future as it relates to the present, the coming of the kingdom, the future millennial reign of Christ on the earth. Uh, Particularly <laughs> that this isn't it. See, that's optimistic, isn't it? It's optimistic. Thankfully, we don't have to try to shoehorn this into the kingdom. Into making our political process, our Congress, state legislature, school board, or county government, and turn that into the Messiah's reign. I'm, in, I'm excited about that. All the time. When I'm reminded of that, I am. The kingdom is real. The kingdom is future. The kingdom is coming soon. The king is real, most importantly. And he is coming to establish that kingdom. And that perspective is crucial for you and me to to remember. It is, in a way, the ultimate motivation for our lives. The coming kingdom. We will reign with Christ in it with the king we will receive our reward which remember our life is defined largely by two things right the gift of eternal life that we receive freely by grace through faith and to his children god promises a reward for faithful stewardship of the things that he's given to us and it's in the kingdom that those things are realized primarily which our faithfulness is realized that's that's real It's real. It is far more real than most of the things that you get focused on, that I get focused on, that I get upset about or wound around the axle about. It is real, and it is the actual central motivator that the Bible gives us for our life, but it's difficult. Um, You have trouble being motivated by the future, don't you? Yeah, most people do. I mean, you can just look at some of the numbers. Now, we, in the last three or four years, nobody could blame you for not placing your retirement savings at the uh, highest priority, right? You're trying to buy groceries and gas, right? Yes, no? Everybody else in the United States is. Y'all maybe differently, right? But people have trouble. Deciding whether to buy a coffee today or to retire in 30 or 40, 50 years. They do. Now, some of that might be some excessive realism. They may realize, I may not be here tomorrow, so I ought to drink the coffee today. But that, that may be true. <laughs> that may be true to some degree. That's the, certainly the consideration to enjoy your life, right? People have trouble being motivated by the future. They have. Trouble being motivated especially by an unknown future. Um, that is, that's how we have our present administration, I think, largely, politically speaking. Um, they decided that anything was better than mean tweets and cheap gas. And it wasn't. People do stupid things to achieve an uncertain future that they think might maybe be better. But they have trouble. We believers have trouble being motivated by a certain future, don't we? That the kingdom is coming, the king is coming, and that is absolute. It's hard for us as believers. It's nearly impossible, I think, for unbelievers to do. And we've been talking about the future a lot in the past few weeks, and as we push into the new year, we do need to remember some details about the nature of why we're optimistic about our lives, about our future. And so, rather than continuing on in our series in 2 Peter, which we'll pick up in a couple of weeks, I thought we'd look at Ephesians, Ephesians 5, and this is a. Paul is famous for long sentences. You are not famous enough to use the sentences of this length. I am not famous enough to use sentences of the length that Paul does under the Spirit's inspiration. But this is in the middle of a long sentence. But let's read it, and then we'll we'll address that part of it, right? Therefore, be careful, verse 15, how you walk. This is not an admonition for you clumsy people, all right? Walking, a picture of how you live your life. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as fools, not as those without wisdom, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. See that optimism there? The days are evil. Optimism. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So just a few things we ought to observe. I told you this is in the middle of a a long sentence. It is the application of an application, possibly of an application, in Ephesians 5. There's a lot of therefores here in this part of Ephesians. This chapter begins with one of those therefores, an application, right? The positive application, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God in your behavior, in the way that you act, in the way that you live your life. Be imitators of God. And then he gives you a list, right, of things, how to talk, how not to talk, who to hang out with, who to partner with, who to do things with, who not to do things with, whose example to follow, who's not to follow, how to remain undeceived, how not to be gullible in the world. Those are all on the list. How to be like God. How to imitate Him. How to expose the deeds of darkness. Be imitators of God. So, one of the ways that you do that is walk in love. Walk in love. Two very positive applications an application within the application. A rationale built from the previous section. There's light and there's darkness. You shouldn't participate in those deeds of darkness because of who you are. There's a distinction. But here, this isn't a list. This is a motivation. Really. Motivation. A causal statement. You do this because of this reason is what that means. A causal statement because of this. Walk wisely because the days are evil. Not just your day, right? Paul's day. All the days. The days are evil. Back to Genesis 3. The days are evil. Statement of fact, right? The days are evil. You are not going to alter that. See, this optimism is just oozing. It's just oozing from the text, isn't it? The days are evil. Paul's days were evil. The days before Paul and the days after Paul, that is objective fact that human history is largely the record of wickedness and evil in the world. Now because of that, walk a certain way he says. that's an it's an unpopular concept today I I don't know if you've recognized this I'm sure you have that people don't like history you know that and I'm not talking about they were bored by history class I if I asked you to raise your hand and tell me how many of you were bored in history class most of you would raise your hand not everybody's a history nerd Almost everybody becomes one later in life. That's how it happens, right? They say that by the time you hit 40, you're supposed to either be completely committed to smoking barbecue or World War II history, like that's what they say, right? But most of you, the last history class you took probably wasn't the most exciting thing in the world. But in our culture, right, people don't like history, and they don't realize that history doesn't care. History doesn't care if you like it or not. And Paul gives us a historical statement. And it's not a discussion. It's not a conversation. The days are evil. We have to acknowledge that, that human history is a history of evil. And the admonition, then, is to be careful how you walk, Now some people, uh, I mentioned this is not an admonition for people who have trouble walking and chewing gum at the same time. I will not ask you to raise your hand if that is you. Uh, I'm a little accident prone. What I've, I've come to realize, though, is that I do lots of new things. And that is probably why I'm mostly accident prone. I'm not straight up a klutz. But I decide to do things of a wide variety. You need to be especially careful in those situations. Just be careful how you walk because the days are evil. These days are days in which humans are doing evil things. Be careful what decisions you make. Be careful what choices you make. Um, There are choices in your life that are more significant than others. We have, uh, we've had something of a spate of weddings. We have another year of weddings coming up at El Paso Bible Church. Um, And one of the things that I I tell them, especially my own children who get married, which are a few of these, is that if I thought it was stupid for you to get married, I would tell you. They always look at me like you're looking at me. How could you tell somebody that? Because I love them. I've actually been told by pastors that you can't tell people that. What, do you hate their guts? You don't want to tell them that what they're about to do is the most foolish thing they could possibly do in the trajectory of their life? Because not only should they not get married, they maybe shouldn't get married to anybody ever. That was one instance. You should just stay single. I love you. Jesus loves you. But please... Walk wisely, he says, because the days are evil. It requires wisdom to live in days that are treacherous like this. And some decisions matter more than others. Don't walk like fools. Be careful how you walk. Not as fools, those without wisdom, a sophioi is what it is, wise men, the way my NASB puts it, but as wise. Don't be fools. Now you may be wondering, Josh, this is a crappy optimistic sermon. Your optimism is, is weird, Pastor Josh. Non standard. We use the term non standard here at El Paso Bible Church, we don't use the term weird. Right? No. My children sometimes tell me my friends think you're weird, Pastor Josh, or Josh, think like Dad, whatever they do. they think you're weird. And then I ask their friends sometimes, "Hey, do you think I'm weird?" <laughs> Said, "No, we think you're cool." Like, see, there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect there. Now they may be lying to me. I, I understand, right? This is optimism. Have you ever met a fool? I'm not gonna ask if you've ever been one. Have have you ever met a fool? I want you to talk to a, uh, this is gonna be treacherous for you in your personal life if I tell you to go find the fool that you know and have this conversation. Let's make this a hypothetical. Hypothetically, consider going to an actual fool objectively, a person that is lacking wisdom and saying, walk as a wise man. How successful is that going to be? Can a fool wake up in the morning and become wise? Jesus. Why scripture says seek it with everything you have spend everything you have to get it if you if that's what it requires expend every last ounce of effort you can in order to obtain wisdom because being a fool is so dangerous but if you take somebody who's a fool and you say act wisely you can't do that this is another thing that comes up in a premarital counseling situation listen guys you may be 20, 40, 60, whatever. You've been building your marriage that whole life and I can't fix you in eight weeks. No matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been building your marriage, you need to understand that you've been building it for a long time already. And there's nothing that we're going to do in eight weeks that's going to fix you. If you have decided to be foolish in your marriage already, if you've already made foolish ultimatums and foolish contingencies Hypothetically, this isn't going to fix it Because you can't snap your fingers and go from being a fool to a wise man. How is Paul addressing the church at Ephesus? As people who have a choice. They're not fools. The converse is true, right? A wise man can make foolish decisions, can he not? But a foolish person has almost no choice. It's hard to convince a fool that he's a fool. One of the characteristics of foolishness is pride, right? The Ephesians were to not act like fools. They have an actual choice to make, to walk wisely in evil days. Isn't that, like, great news? Wonderful news. I have felt it many times in my life that I was locked into certain circumstances, certain decisions that I had to make. I won't go down the list because y'all want to eat today, right? Y'all want to go to lunch? I won't go down the list of things that I felt trapped by. And when Scripture tells me that I have a choice to make one of the most welcome things that I can read. It's a choice. It's a volitional act that you're to make to act wisely. Now, the primary command there is to walk carefully. Some translations say circumspectly. I would just say with your eyes wide open. Walk with your eyes wide open so that you can see. You ever try to walk around a room with your eyes closed? It's hard to avoid obstacles. See things as they are. Be careful how you walk. Walk with your eyes open. Make the choice to walk wisely. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Redeem has different antonym, antonyms, opposites, depending on how you use it. In this case, I, I don't think I think it the opposite. The antonym is forfeit. What happens when you forfeit? You give up something that you have a right to. God has given you the time. And your choice is to redeem it or to forfeit it. You can redeem it by using it wisely, by walking in love, imitating God. You can see it as an opportunity, even though the days are evil. Or you can behave foolishly rather than wisely. See, I try to remind you all of this. Who, I know we have one superhero super fan at El Paso Bible Church, don't we, Silas? Silas loves him some superheroes. And we read the comic book, right? Anybody? You like comic books? I didn't read comics when I was a kid. I like hero stories. A lot of those guys end up being immortal. And we read those stories and we read the stories of immortals in history and mythology and we go, boy, I wish I was like that. You are. Do you possess eternal life today? (laughs) By grace, through faith, have you trusted in Christ? You are the immortal in the story. That's why you have a choice to redeem the time or forfeit it. We win, ultimately, right? Scripture says that he has, Christ has overcome the world. We are overcomers in one sense in Scripture because we are in him. We are identified with him. He has achieved that victory. Which means there is a sense in which we could just wait the clock out, right? We could just wait the clock out. Wait for it to expire, because we'll still be standing at the end. I'm not big on sports, but I did play sports. Basketball, in particular, when I was a younger man and had about two dozen less ankle sprains and a few less concussions, a few fewer concussions. There were times where we engaged almost our own mercy rule, right? We didn't want to win a game by 80 points, 100 points, and we just waited the clock out. Looking back, I realized that that was actually disrespectful. Disrespectful to forfeit the time that way. Again, because how do, you, how do you redeem time? How do you use it wisely? How do you look with optimism at your future? You have to know where you really are. Right? You have to know how much you're, you lost by. You have to know how deep the pit is. There were some occasions, did y'all ever take achievement tests in school, ever? Ever? My, my mother was a, a pioneer sort of homeschooler. We still had truant officers showing up at our door occasionally when I was a kid. Neighbors thought we were whack job, cult members, whatever. Come a long way, baby, you know, homeschooling in Texas. But she almost neurotically took us to take achievement tests. You're not supposed to finish the achievement test. Did y'all know that? You're never supposed to finish them. Because you don't know how far you could go if you finish. It's the weirdest setup for a test ever. I finished a couple. My mom was irritated when I was young. They got harder as I got older. You need to know where we are. We need to know that the days are evil. We need to know that if we choose wisely, we redeem the time instead of forfeiting it. Remember that the main command in this section is to be imitators of God, to walk in love. And if you know nothing else about theology proper, about the study of God himself, you need to understand that God himself is not waiting out the clock. God has an assertive, direct, sovereign purpose. In every decision, in every action he takes, he is redeeming the time. He is the creator of time. And we're to be imitators of him. He is working his loving purpose in the world by his grace to its fulfillment. And we need to be doing that because the days are evil. The days are evil. This is this is inverse of what we normally presume. We think the days are evil and that evil is overwhelming. Yeah? Evil feels overwhelming to you, maybe, at times. I have at times in my ministry been in rooms where I was overwhelmed by the presence of evil in other people. I've heard people tell stories of that. I've experienced it a couple of times. And you want to get away from it. You wanna get away from it. There are other people who observe that the days are evil, and then decide that the church needs to fix that. Don't do that either. The days are not evil because the church has failed. You'll hear that sometimes. The days are not evil because the church has failed. The days are evil because the days are evil. The entire record of human history from Genesis 3 forward Is evil days in human history? The days are always evil. The correct decision when you observe that the days are evil is to decide that it is an opportunity for you to serve the Lord, to walk in love, to be imitators of Him. And to recognize that God loves evil people. God loves evil people. Romans 5, 8 tells me that God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves evil people, and he's working his purpose in history. If the days weren't evil, you wouldn't need to be here. I wouldn't need to be here. Evil days are what requires God's love and the church to walk in love. So we're here to understand, to gain insight, right? What? The will of the Lord is, so then do not be foolish, verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and that is that we would see the evil days in which we live as an opportunity. All sorts of other relevant biblical commands come to mind. (laughs) Don't grow weary in doing good. Are you weary sometimes? (laughs) I was telling somebody this morning, it's actually extra wearying when the holidays are on a weekend. It's way simpler for us if Christmas Eve is on Tuesday or Wednesday. It makes for a long day on Sunday when Christmas Eve is on Sunday, that kind of thing. That's not the same kind of weariness, but you, you feel weary. Feel weary. Uh, my mind gets weary. My heart is weary sometimes of the constant onslaught. What creative thing is are these evil days going to bring today? Proverbs twenty eight twenty six says, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. In other words, you get control of yourself if you're weary choose to walk wisely. It is a matter of faith, Uh, biblically speaking. Optimism is a matter of faith, that we can look at the days and not make the mistake of saying the days aren't that bad. We can say, no, the days, the days are evil. All the days are evil. What you find even in the church is people are in bondage to nostalgia. They are. Every, it happens everywhere. The seminary that I attended, Dallas Theological Seminary, one of the weird things that you will find is no matter when somebody went there, it always went to pot right after they left. Going back to 1924. And that people talk about their lives, their lives like that, right? If they were born in the 40s, became an adult in the late 50s, everything went to pot after that all the way through. I mean, it's true of those of us who came to adulthood in the 90s, right? Everything went to pot after that. No. It's universal. You're in bondage to nostalgia. Stop it. Stop it. Cut the crap. You're not seeing it rightly. The days were evil. The days are evil. And until the Lord returns, they will be evil. Optimism says that I'm the immortal in the story. And God has purpose for me to be here in it. And the difficulties of the evil days are opportunities. So I know it's a non-standard biblical optimism message. But I needed to hear The days are evil, but God is good, and Christ is coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, We thank you for your word. We we thank you for the opportunity that we have to take a minute and realistically look at the days and our role in it and be encouraged by your word and the choice uh, that you've given us through your son to walk wisely in it. We thank you for that. In your son's name we we pray. Amen.
0: Would you stand with us? We'll dismiss with a song.